Hello, Channel Automation Podcast listeners. Welcome back to another deep dive into the techniques that convert leads. I'm your host, Casey Arias, and I'm joined here today by our local 5.9 and call center expert, Stephen White, and Brian Hafer of BuyerLink. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Brian, uh, let me know a little bit about BuyerLink. Like, you provide leads to companies, correct? Like, are you a lead aggregator? So, uh, yeah. So, BuyerLink, we've been around for about 20 years. We kind of consider ourselves a little bit more of a lead generator, a little bit different than an aggregator, but there are some parts of our business where we do kind of fit that model. But, yeah. So, we basically have been around for about two decades. And our kind of sweet spot has been really in lead gen and really connecting consumers to local businesses. And so there's lots of different varieties of lead gen out there. Um, But our kind of specialty has been really focusing on like that local customer and that local business. And we actually operate in a number of verticals. So the first one that we kind of tapped in the very early going of the company was automotive. And actually automotive really preceded, I think, any other lead gen vertical um, that's kind of, you know, come about in the last, you know, in 20 years. Um, That's connecting consumers that want to buy a car with a dealer that really can provide like a hassle-free quote. And so so we work with a lot of the auto manufacturers. Um, It's a really big part of our business. And then what we were able to do is take a lot of learnings from those, from that that kind of uh, business and then kind of parlay it into real estate and then eventually into home improvement. So we've been in home improvement now for probably a good 15 years. Wow. Okay. So you you cover a whole bunch of industries. So, I mean, we're familiar with you mostly for home improvement, but you're kind of across the board, right? Sounds like that. You said you started with automotive? Yep. Started in automotive and actually the founder of BuyerLink in the mid 90s started a company called AutoWeb and AutoWeb was actually kind of a pioneer in Legion. Actually, I had the, the fortunate opportunity to work there with him. I mean, we actually grew that company. I think we signed like close to three or 4,000 dealers and um, created like a really great nationwide you know, platform to connect consumers to a dealer. And then, and then we took the company public and then we eventually merged. But yeah, so that company in that industry specifically really was the first industry to do online Legion and so we've taken a lot of best practices there and a lot of those learnings working with dealers and kind of transitioning those into businesses and real estate and now like with home services. So you mentioned um, you kind of took a lot of the best practices from lead generation and automotive industry. What would you consider to be best practices when it comes to that? Well, you'd be, you'd be surprised at some of the kind of no brainer best practices, but one of them obviously is just call the customer back. Or get back with them within maybe five minutes if you can. But how about like within an hour? That was kind of probably one of the bigger ones. But what we've seen kind of evolve in home services really, I think, in the last probably five years is a lot better management around leads and reporting on what happens with those leads. Um, it's one thing to make sure you call them back real quick or text them, um, but it's another thing to really kind of track what, what happened and then that real return on investment. Um, knowing exactly like, hey, what kind of leads actually generated sales, which ones generated appointments or generated maybe nothing. It's interesting that there's kind of like so many, like when it comes to automotive and also with with home services, like big ticket item across the board for people that want to make like a big improvement. Sometimes if you're going big, it might cost as big as one of these more expensive cars, maybe a cheaper car. But, you know, typically the ticket price for a car, the ticket price for a home improvement project is similar. And they may last 
somewhat similar along along the lines amount of time depending on how much wear and tear you get out of the out of the home improvement <laughs> if you're maybe it's like a se- seven person home and everyone's using the shower over and over and over and over again uh who knows maybe that doesn't get quite as much mileage as a as a new beamer or something um <laughs> that's right what are some of the things that kind of translate well, I think, from like home services and also like, I know we talked about um, like calling the homeowner back quickly. Was there anything that kind of like doesn't translate over very well or uh, something that's like different? You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, we kind of actually, if Byerlink took an early kind of stab at working with contractors back in 2008. And there were companies at the time like Angie, you know, Home Advisor prior to that, I think they called themselves Service Magic. And there were some other companies that are still some of them are around some of them aren't but really at that point in time um contractors really didn't have a sense for what it meant when they had an inquiry maybe even off their own website you know like hey somebody just emailed you and they're interested in maybe getting a new roof um you know what should you do with that lead or do with that customer so for us you know like when we think about like these different industries and kind of what's taking place there's really three pillars the first one is people the second one's process, and then the third one's technology. And really over the last probably five years, we've really seen the technology in the home services space kind of start to really accelerate. Um, and accelerate really on the marketing side. There's been technology to help support businesses and kind of CRMs to kind of help support workflows for you know projects and customers, but really the front end of any kind of marketing where you're acquiring customers we've really seen kind of like this this tailwind of good technology coming into the space a lot of different participants in that landscape and really starting to help companies um, be successful and so the technology i feel like has been a lag um, compared to some other industries other industries that are trying to figure out lead gen auto repair you know uh, we kind of looked at that industry too and you kind of see like what dealers have been doing for a really long time they understand customers that come in off the internet or come off you know through their phone and they're looking to basically have a conversation usually they're looking to get some pricing and you kind of compare you know that experience with like maybe an auto repair shop in the auto repair shop they still just don't have those three things in place like it's a, usually an owner um, or like a manager that's working the desk or whatever that's trying to answer a phone or maybe calling back a lead. And so the reason why I'm bringing those two up is in home services, it was much the same way where a lot of businesses just didn't have like a sense for, hey, how do I organize around this type of marketing and getting people you know lined up the right way? So I'm calling them right away. I'm getting the person, you know, like I'm getting a salesperson, for instance, out to the home right away. Like, how do I make that process efficient? So anyway, the technology definitely is a big piece of it. And then the the other two, we've seen a lot of improvement in process, you know, making sure that you can measure everything in that sales funnel. And then the last piece is finding good people to do all of it. And, and that's probably the harder one that I see, you know, in this industry is how do you get good people and, and train them and keep them. I think with a lot of industries, that's the problem. Finding someone that's good and willing to to work at it and improve the system. I think I don't want to knock on the the folks that are working in like home improvement in the auto industry, but I think there's probably like a, a similar thread there where it's the person that is 
starting a home improvement. Now, I, it's different once you get to maybe like 10 or 15 people that are working together. But one factoid that would be given at home show, we would have these home shows for a previous company I worked with. And the owner would come out and do this big whole grand like speech to everybody. Hey, everybody, you know that our number, like our contractor number is, is only five digits, but everyone else has six or seven digits. And that's because so many of these home improvement companies, they they fail. And because we have less digits than those other companies, we actually are a more you know, credible company. We've been around for that long that we have the smaller amount of digits. That was like a big selling point because like 80%, 90% of these home improvement companies end up failing over time. Just because it's like such a big turnaround for it. I start a company, you know, maybe I botch a job or two, I get sued. Some guy, you know, got hurt on the job and then they have to end it and go create a new company. So there's kind of like a lot of turnover for just like companies that are trying to do this. It's a, it's a weird industry. And I don't think that they have a lot of time to. Yeah, actually, um, before you continue on that one, Stephen, um, I wanted to ask, speaking of that, um, a lot of our listeners are smaller companies that are starting up, right? Or they've recently started a new company. Is BuyerLink something that can be for smaller companies? Or is it big only like small, mid, large? Like what do you guys cover in terms of like someone who can afford continuous leads from BuyerLink? Yeah, it's a great question. And what I typically, we talk to contractors every day. We talk to small ones, big ones, and really what we're interested in doing is helping them be successful. And so the the first thing that we're usually trying to do is, hey, yes, we might have leads that are in your market. We might have homeowners that are really right now coming through and wanting to do a project. They want to speak with someone. And as you guys know, because you're working kind of in the industry, but, you know, with kind of a little bit of a different path, that sometimes these companies aren't ready. Like, I wouldn't want to sell a lead to somebody unless I knew they could be successful. So we will work with small companies, and we actually have several clients that are smaller clients, meaning they, they don't, you know, cover massive territories or they don't do, you know, 50 million, a hundred million in sales, but they might be 5 million in sales, but they're really good at basically setting up shop to, to buy leads and they know how to handle them. So yeah, so to answer your question, we definitely work with smaller companies. Um, the good news is, is the, the small ones, I feel like more and more day by day, you're seeing more of them that know how to uh, make these investments and put the right processes in place. You mentioned earlier, it was putting processes in place and, and having the right reporting process. Do you mind elaborating a little bit more on maybe the best use of technology or what the best way is to get to that speed to lead to reach out to people? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because I feel like now we're at a period, especially post-COVID, I feel like during COVID, a lot of progress was made. Um, I feel like a lot of technology kind of came in and, and helped under, helped businesses understand, hey, I need to be able to do this. I didn't want to do leads before. Maybe I bought leads before and they didn't work. But now I got to do this because my my ways of getting customers has changed. You know, people are online and they're they're more at you know more likely to kind of initiate a process online. So I kind of think forward then to okay, well, you know, those customers and you know, like what what's the kind of experience that they're looking for versus maybe what they were looking for five years ago. And so anyway, to kind of I think to answer your question, Stephen, it's really just a matter of. Um, making sure one, you have the the right people in place to respond, and and so when I first look at any company we work with, it's like, hey, if we sold you leads, how exactly would you follow up with them? And I think the first gen, like 1.0, in this whole thing was call center, make a ton of calls. I'm going to call this lead 20 times and basically make sure that I get them on the phone, and I'm going to play that numbers game and be really efficient, drive up my appointment rates. 
And, uh, you know, from there, basically everything else should fall into place. I feel kind of where we're at now is it's things are getting a little bit more complicated. Um, you have compliance things that are happening. So, you know, can I hammer somebody on the phone, you know, for two or three weeks and get away with it? Maybe you can call them 10 times, but, you know, some of these companies I think are used to just, you know, 20, 30, 40 times, you know, call somebody until basically they finally just say, okay, we're done. So the thing that I'm seeing there is just really having a good process to communicate with customers. If it's basically over the phone, if it's via email or via text, how do I communicate with them efficiently? And so that's kind of really like where it starts. But then if you dig a little bit further, you can get into what happens once you actually have a customer and they're interested and they they want you to come to their home. When are you coming? Are you sending someone out today, tomorrow, or am I going to try to send someone out there like over the weekend? And that's where we also, also kind of start to see some red flags of like, okay, well, do you have enough people right now to get someone out to this person's home in the next 48 hours? Because if you don't, you may not get the same kind of, you know, return that you'd, you'd expect. Like, so for instance, if I send someone out there today and let them do a walk around and an estimate or whatever, very high chance that customer is going to buy from you. You wait three days to send someone out there, there's a good chance they're going to get somebody else. So those are kind of some of the first things. And then the technology, you know, like we always want to know, what are you using to communicate via text? What are you using to inbound this lead into your system where you can track how many times you call it or how many times you text it? Those technology elements, which there's better technology coming in, like into this industry, I feel like those are the, the other pieces we want to understand better. So you won't take in any kind of Joe Schmo then? Like it's it's an interview on both sides. Like, are we going to be a good fit for you? And then are you going to be a good fit for us? Sounds like. Yeah, basically. I mean, and it, and it really just comes down to making sure that in three months from now that like they're going to be around, you know, and why, why basically sell these to somebody if they're just not equipped to do it? You know, we've had companies we work with where they're great on making phone calls and they can set appointments, but they don't have enough salespeople. Or they're really good at having good salespeople and processes to go out and close deals. But do they have enough people to make these calls, get in touch with people and, and qualify them and schedule them? And so, yeah, like to answer your question, Casey, I think, you know, we want to make sure companies, if it's from us or from anyone, we want them to be successful. But we can't do that if they don't have some of these pieces in place. That makes sense. I know that if you were going to go through the whole process of setting up your system and getting, you know, your lead funnels configured in such a way that they're receiving good leads, you know, that takes a lot of spend on your end. It's almost like an investment. Is this going to be a short-term investment? This person doesn't have everything set up. Is this a long-term investment? Hopefully where you can see them going the distance, you can just help them get there. I know that there are uh, challenges, especially with like after post-launch reporting, where maybe someone doesn't have as well configured, like this one's no good. Maybe it'd be like a lead report, but you want to find out more than that. Like, is it no good because of what reason? And that kind of helps you guys. I know that with BuyerLink, you guys have different marketing funnels that you set up. Configure each one of those to be as effective as possible. Like, like that kind of data, it, it's a two-way street. It's not just sending a lead over and it's the end of the day. It's sending a lead over, but then you want to know how well did that lead do? You know, like what specific words even did that person say that could help to trigger, we need to put more effort on this campaign or less effort on that campaign, or maybe the wording in this way may be more effective, less effective, and then continuously tweaking so that both you and the company you're selling to can continue to be 
successful, kind of like a symbiotic success relationship thing going on. That's it. Yeah, you kind of just summed it all up in terms of like what we try to do um, as far as making sure we can have success, not just they have everything in place, but hey, what can we do along the way to try to make this work better? And yeah, I'd say that as a company, we're very data centric. Um, we've built a lot of like processes around data so that we can know like, hey, this lead to this campaign, to this source, and we'll be able to really kind of find out like what's the sweet spot. And so a good kind of example of that is you could have a roofing company and they love whatever, buying roofing leads, um, but they might not convert people that want to get a repair or think they need a repair as well. Like we have some roofing companies that say, we'll take those leads all day long. Well, we might have eight campaigns running that help kind of drive inquiries for people that, hey, I got something wrong with my roof. I have a leak or I think I have like shingles that need to be replaced, not knowing that, hey, I probably could be sold into a complete roof replacement versus that customer or homeowner who says, I've already gotten like, you know, essentially estimates and now I'm just shopping around and I want to get someone out here to put a new roof on. I want to know how much it's going to cost. Two different types of customers, totally different set of campaigns for each. And so when we get that data, we're able to start to see like, hey, what are they converting? You know, what's converting better? What's not? Same thing we see in the HVAC space. You know, a lot of times people think they just need service. And eventually it leads to, you know, unfortunately for them, I need a whole new, you know, system, which is going to cost 10, 15 grand. Well, sometimes our partners, they don't really want the service leads. They want them when they're further down the funnel. And so, yeah, that campaign management, you know, and optimization is a big part of what we try to do. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's actually one of the questions I was going to ask you if like you have ones that are set for particular parts in the process. I actually have a I have a spicy question to ask you, Brian. Is that okay? Go for it. Shoot. It's just it's <laughs> it's just because, you know, we like to ask a lot of questions that we hear from our clients, right? And so because we are you know, the channel automation kind of middleman where it's like we speak with lead aggregators and help calibrate campaigns. And then we also have the other client end of it where they're like looking for the results and we are responsible for providing good information. So that way they can convert on the leads they get from people like BuyerLink. What would you say, because I hear this all the time, to the people who are first to blame the aggregator or the person providing them leads? Because every time I see that there is an issue uh, in terms of conversion, the first thing they do is they're like, oh, this, this company's providing me crappy leads. That's why I can't convert on them. Lead aggregator X is terrible. I hear it all the time. Yes. Well, the first thing that, you know, is top of mind for us is, hey, let's look at the data. You know, let's kind of find out like what happened with these leads. We don't even need to ask like, what is your process or did the process change? But we can say, let's look at the data and really find out a lot of times believe it or not, when people w do what you describe is they, they, they may not even have like a really good sense of the data. So that, that's kind of step one. Like, do we have good data to basically kind of make those judgments? The thing is, is that th that's kind of a little bit of a bigger picture kind of discussion we try to have is, do you understand these consumers? Do you understand what they're really looking for and how to communicate with them? And this kind of goes a little bit into kind of some of the things you guys do, which actually is really helping, um, I think, put these businesses in a better place to connect and really convert leads at a better in a better rate. And what I'm saying there is, you know, like you might be calling leads all day long. 
but they don't want to be called, but they're very interested. Our younger generation, they want to text. You know, they want to communicate via text and get more information. And so to me, usually it's first data. Let's make sure it's clean. Let's make sure it's consistent. The second part is let's make sure you guys have processes that meet up with some of the, the kind of disposition data, you know, that we get back from, from the buyer. So it's really kind of a combination of two, but we do hear it. Um, typically, what I will tell you is that historically companies that just immediately out of the gate say these leads are horrible. We also want to know like, what's your what's your path to a good return on investment? So sometimes they don't really even know. And this is a discussion we like to have up front with, with some of these companies is, hey, what, what, what looks, what does success really look like for you? So a good example here is we had a buyer that worked with us in Florida. It was a roofing company and they had, I think like an 18% set rate. And they had, um, it, this was like about a year ago, 18% set rate, you know, somewhere maybe between 15 and 20, but I remember the month specifically, 18% set rate. And they had like 150 grand roughly in sales. Their cost of marketing was 7%, but they had basically probably 30 or 40 leads that they didn't like that we sent them. And they said, this isn't working for us. These leads aren't any good. We want to have a credit. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at the bigger picture here. First of all, like you met your your goals, like, you know, your cost of marketing is well below 10%. Like, you know, most companies that we work with would be ecstatic with that. But then the next piece was, okay, well, like, let's talk about expectations. And, you know, like, what about these 30 or 40 leads? Well, they're out of scope or, hey, this doesn't, you know, we couldn't set an appointment with them or they're not qualified or maybe we just couldn't get a hold of them. And that's so important to kind of understand because really you're going to always have people that basically don't qualify or don't be, that, that are out of scope. It's just the nature of, you know, how people are inquiring on these type of jobs online. They don't know all these answers. So sometimes you're going to get that guy that says, no, I'm actually just looking to have something repaired. Really, I don't need a new roof completely. But the real kind of test is like, hey, can I have good consistent processes where maybe out of like the 100 leads, you know, I set 20 of them into an appointment, maybe 15 of them turn into a demo. If I could maybe just close let's say 30% of those, which is pretty standard, maybe I have five sales. So if I have five sales out of 100 leads, does it really matter? And that's that's a big discussion, Casey, that we tend to get into with kind of newer companies that are starting to develop this framework. Yeah, uh, we have kind of similar conversations. And let me just tell you, like, when you talk about investing marketing and investing time and strategy, you wouldn't, I mean, you would believe because you've been in the industry for so long. But there's so many companies that just do not take that into account. It's like they're giving you a nothing sandwich and they're wanting you to, you know, create an entire meal out of it. And it's like, listen, I can only use what you've given me. And if you only give me a little, I can only give you a little. If you give me a lot, I can give you a lot. You know, it's a, it's a, like Stephen was saying, a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So I, I, I know we're kind of coming up on the end here. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is what do you think is something that other like people providing leads are doing uh, wrong that you guys do right in comparison? Well, the one thing I've always kind of believed, you know, in any of these industries, and we see it in auto, in auto, for instance, you know, we do probably about 500,000 requests for people that want to buy a car per month. And we generate all those leads ourselves. Um, and we have processes that we've been working on for two decades of 
how to create those leads and make them. And I feel like in this particular industry, and it happened in auto for a while, it actually kind of washed out where you had people that just wanted to figure out how to buy and sell a lead to somebody that they weren't really adding value. They weren't really solving a problem. They were just kind of getting in the food chain essentially. And so when I think about like what we do, we're really in the business of trying to make leads successful for our businesses that we work with. And we don't really aggregate. And actually our main business, which is providing leads, somebody's on our website, we generate it. It goes to one of our customers. They hopefully call it within a minute. And then from there, everything kind of falls into place. We generate those leads. Like we're not out there trying to aggregate them. Now, we do have a business we acquired that does aggregate leads, but we don't sell them right away. What we do is we call them and we get them on the phone and we go through and we actually qualify them. We make sure that they actually really are interested. And so once they're interested on in that type of business, we'll then warm transfer them. And I know you guys know a little bit about it. We've, we've kind of tested some of this. That actually is solving a problem, you know, because one of the biggest problems is getting people on the phone. And so like to your questions earlier, you were asking, well, like, you know, what do you see when you're talking to some of these businesses? We might realize that, hey, you're, you got great sales funnel process down, down funnel. Meaning once you get out there and you do a demo and you, you guys can close, you have a really good product, you know, you got history, whatever, but maybe you don't have the front end process of getting efficiency around getting people on the phone. So that brought that program we have where we warm them up. And then transfer them requires a lot less uh, headcount. You know, you don't need 10 people in the call center. Maybe you only need two. And so the question really is, you know, what do we do that's different? We're trying to solve the problems. Um, most of the time that basically these lead providers have had is just how do I put the right type of product and in, in process in place to make them successful. And this is a very good reason why we are partnered with you at Viralink, because we also believe in, you know, it's not just a matter of being, you know, uh, the everyday transfer of materials. There's no point, right? Because everybody else is already doing that. But when you are the person who is standing out and you're invested in a company's success, that's what makes a big difference. And so I couldn't agree more. And um, I think that that's a fantastic answer. So Brian, I am going to wrap this up now. Thank you again so much for joining us. And that's going to be it for us today. So whether you love or hate what we talked about today, we do want to hear from you. So comment or shoot us an email at hello at channelautomation.com. Also consider subscribing to this podcast and get continuous free tips on marketing and call centers. We also are going to be putting information about Brian and Firelink uh, in the description. So make sure you check that out as well. And as always, keep that lead conversion high.